Welcome to Theory for Turntables, the TFT podcast. I'm Matt, and that's not Ryan. It's Rachel. Rachel, why you want to trip on me? Hey, we have got more problems than we will ever need. <laughs> I guess so. Just you and me without Ryan uh, <laughs> interfering. Those were two slightly deeper cuts. Um but uh, you might have recognized them as lyrics from Michael Jackson's 1991 release, Dangerous. Uh, it was released on um, November 26th, 1991. So a little bit after the September uh, releases that all came out on that miraculous day uh, in the fall of, of 91. Slightly later, but still an incredible capstone to uh, the 1991 stretch of this podcast. And in fact, the last historical uh, album that we're going to do before pivoting back to contemporary music for the next quarter or so. So this is a great, great place to stop. This record is a, a landmark in a lot of ways. It's uh, uh, the the first one that he didn't do with Quincy Jones. Um for the first time since 1979, uh, and instead uh, produced it with a producer named Teddy Riley, known for New Jack Swing, uh, for pioneering that sound. And we'll talk a little bit about uh, about that, the influence of that, and what uh, what we think it means. And this is also, you know, it's no thriller. Like on the, the list of um, top-selling albums in the world, Thriller is number one with a bullet, the verified sales or something like double the the number two position. But this album is still in the top 20 uh, best-selling albums globally of, of all time. So it's sort of epic, uh, an epic commercial success. And whether it's an epic artistic success or not, we will determine in the course of, uh, of an hour-long podcast. Did you enjoy listening to it, Rachel, as you sort of prepared for, for doing this over the last week? I I really did. I I enjoyed listening to the album actually quite a bit. I think what I failed to realize is how how much of this album I actually listened to as a child and that I was like more familiar with the album than I remembered. For sure. And so it was this like wave of uh kind of a wave of nostalgia and and just transporting me back to being a child which you know, it's always pleasant. <laughs> <laughs> There's this uh, right before before everything fell to shit, right? Yeah, exactly. Before <laughs> before uh, you know, before I had to face all the problems, <laughs> all uh, the problems that Michael Jackson outlines in these songs. <laughs> yeah, it, because it's not necessarily a pleasant record in a lot of in a lot of ways. It's very engaged in social. Uh, uh, various kinds of, of social protest and the videos, uh, notoriously the one for black or black or white in which, you know, he does a, just an epic, a fantastic dance solo at the end, uh, on a city street set where he smashes windows and, and, uh, sort of breaks down the social order, um, symbolically through dance. Uh, it's, uh, you know, uh, it, it's really engaged with, um, it's really engaged with, with society and social problems in a way, uh, that's very interesting. And it represents a kind of 
pivot point for for him for pop music um and uh you know coincidentally for us for this uh for this podcast so go ahead and uh, go ahead and listen to it it's 75 minutes long it's it is a full cd's worth of music and uh so it's going to take a little a little longer than than usual but i can tell you uh it's good music for bicycling it's good music for jogging and it's it will put a little pep into your household chores if you want to put it on a bluetooth speaker or something and carry it around with you in the house as you're you know tidying up or doing some lighthouse work uh you know you can uh, you can listen to to michael jackson and his um his uh poppy uh yet trenchant analysis of the social problems of his day will will put a little pep in your step as you go about solving the the problems of your house or apartment um so go ahead and <laughs> go I ahead i can attest to that i i did new like a countless uh bad dance routines while listening to this <laughs> and folding and folding clothing right right, exa- right what like, dance routine is is complete without you know crisply folding a shirt into yeah, exactly. like three three parts right yeah so. it's like fold bop 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 leg behind pivot you know spin mm-hmm. around arm in the air go and then uh, fold the other side of the shirt over. and then fold it right and, and you're pepping your step chore complete um give it a listen we'll be back to talk about it after this word from our commercial sponsor war famine disease there's so many problems in this world to solve but you have nowhere to put down your to-do list. I absolutely don't. I'm like, uh, I'm trying to keep track of all these in my head. It's like war, famine. Oh, God, I forgot the third one already. What should I do? Disease. You need a social problem planner. Oh, wow. What's that? And where can I get one? A social problem planner is a 32-step integrated system designed to solve all of the collective action and social problems that we face. (laughs) Wow, that's incredible. So I just follow these two steps and I can solve war, famine, and disease? Uh, Two. Well, there's two meta steps, but there's 32 (laughs) smaller sub-steps. But that's okay. If you just follow all the steps in the social problem planner, yes, you can solve problems like war, famine, and disease. <laughs> Excellent. Thanks, Social Problem Planner. I can feel society reforming itself in my image already. And now available in uh, lambskin leather. <laughs> Wait, isn't the systematic slaughter of animals one of the social problems we have shh, to solve? We don't care about animals. And we're back. Rachel, I have a question. Yes. Um, this, this, uh, dangerous, this Michael Jackson's dangerous with its, uh, uh, initial sound of broken glass with its, uh, talking about, about the man and, uh, social problems, uh, you know, false prophets, um, you know, uh, the, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm looking, uh, I'm looking for more, uh, 
conditioned by the system. Don't you preach to me. Don't scream and shout, uh, says, says Michael Jackson. His, uh, his sense that the world is wounded and needs, needs to be healed. The industrial soundscape of dangerous, the alienating and confounding uh, aspects of this, his, his refusal, uh, his rage at, at social roles and, and the videos in which he, he, among other things, does a dance routine and breaks windows. Is this dangerous a punk album? Hmm. You know, I I you know, I think I think I, I like where you're going with this. You know, I, I'm gonna say yes. I'm gonna say it's it's an attitude and spirit um a punk album. I think musically it's you know, it's not as you know, I think a part of the punk ethos is that, you know, it was you know, it was musically kind of aggressive and simple enough that you could sort of pick it up and do it and create, create it. This is not music that can just be like picked up and created, but it certainly has that, it does have that revolutionary rebellious punk spirit. I think throughout the, throughout the album, both I think content wise and sonically. And a sense, a sense of sort of, like subaltern people a little bit, right? Like a sense Mm -hmm. that there are like segments of society, not, you know, uh, uh, not like new, you know, lower East side teenagers and not like, uh, Thatcherite youth, disaffected Thatcherite youth, but like, uh, uh, but African American people are sort of children generally, right. Who, who will have to inherit a, a, a fucked up world. Um, that like, there's this, there's this sense of, of rising up or kind of giving a voice to that, uh, to that experience. Right. Which I think is the, which I think is the punk part of it. No, I think that's right. It's interesting that you you mentioned the kind of Thatcherite youth because I think that makes me think of you know I think a lot of the at least the British punk bands there's a real um, kind of specificity in the complaints and they were all like very much mired. I think in in the the kind of more subjective like their personal experience or kind of like their their very particular voice. And I think you're right that this is kind of more overarching right it's more of a general you know giving a voice or kind of letting out this this cry for the need for healing and help for for many different kinds of people yeah and he seems to sort of he seems to sort of identify with them and in his kind Mm -hmm. of his sort of soft his soft high voice has like a, a plaintiveness to it, especially in, in some of the, the spoken word parts. But I want to get at the other part um, of, of what you said, because I think it's important. Because I, I suppose that your answer was in some sense a qualified yes, uh, because it's, it's sort of not a, a, a punk album in the, the aesthetic aspect and in some of the details of the production, because it's very heavily produced, right? It's like very, and very carefully, carefully produced. And the, um, you know, the idea, uh, the idea of New Jack Swing being a sort of, uh, highly glossy fusion of, of, uh, hip hop and R and and sort of softer R and B, right? If you sort of took hip hop and combined it with, I don't know who a good, uh, example would be from the time maybe Mariah Carey 
uh, in the nineties, um, maybe Whitney Houston, right. Uh, to, to, you know, to the, the much more palatable, easy listening kind of, uh, kind of music. I, I mean, you know, and that, that like somewhere in between there is this, there is this combination of, uh, new Jack swing that, um, uh, that, that does it. I don't know. Is that your, is that your understanding? Is that what you hear as well? Or does it go off into other directions for you? Yeah, no, I, I think that's right. I think so. The the very beginning of this album, um, at least like the first, what, like six or seven songs is very much. Yeah, it's it's that new Jack Swing sound. It's the and I agree. It's kind of like a hip hop meets R&B, you know, meets. Yeah, I think like kind of the the, the R&B pop of the time. Right. Um, and it's very much a creation of, you know, so in this album, Michael Jackson worked with, uh, Teddy Riley and he really is kind of like the noted pioneer of this new Jack swing sound. You know, he was in, um, he was in the band guy. He was, uh, later on in black street and he's just kind of, I I mean, I, he, I feel like he is sort of associated primarily with this sound and, and you hear it, you hear it, you hear it in this album. And even I would say it kind of references a lot of like the Janet Jackson work. Um, from earlier in the eighties or like the later eighties earlier than this, right. That had that, that had that same kind of industrial, uh, you know, kind of industrial R and B sound as well. And I think it's a sort of precursor to the new Jack swing sound in general. Yeah. Like uh, control is one album. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like, you know, it's kind of a continuation of the, the stuff that is done in control you know, is, is in here as well. Um, yeah. It, and so in that, I mean, I think there's, I think there's more to that because like the sonic picture is even more complicated than that. Cause it includes things like the initial, the initial moment is of like, is of breaking glass, you know, the initial sonic sonic moment. Um, and in the video for Jim, it's a, like a basketball being thrown out the window, uh, of a of a building um and bouncing on a sort of bombed out industrial like industrial urban wasteland uh but the basketball is also a globe right it's not an it's not an orange or brown basketball it's painted with the 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 you know blue with with the land masses in green um and it sort of bounces among the rubble and rolls. Uh, and this is what we, this is what we sort of do, uh, to the world. And then there are also like, there are sounds of like chains or metal machinery or, you know, other, other kinds of industrial sounds. My, my trolling question, uh, if it hadn't been the one that I asked, it was going to be, is this an industrial album? Because there definitely <laughs> is that there definitely is that sort of found sound aesthetic to, to certain parts of the, to certain parts of the production. Right. Yeah, no, it, there is something there. Yeah, it's like stomp meets nine inch nails. <laughs> right? Yeah, there's a lot of like, yeah, it's like, is that like a chain being thrown around? I don't know. <laughs> it's like, look, this chain has been thrown around multiple times, <laughs> rhythmically. <laughs> no, but there is, <laughs> I agree. No, there definitely is this. I, I think that's interesting, actually, like the kind of the, the, the globe and the jam video and and like the kind of 
I don't know. There's a kind of, you know, to me, it feels dated at this point, but like, I feel like the kind of driving sense of like the world is going to shit doesn't feel dated. Um, <laughs> I guess, I guess. No, it's yeah. Like, that could be anony, right. Or, yeah. you know, um, yeah, no. And I guess that never dies. Right. I guess every generation feels like the world is going to shit in their own particular way. So I guess, you know, the, I think it's interesting, like that Michael Jackson's like kind of view of the world is going to shit is, is in this, you know, kind of, you know, there's, you know, it's a, it's a world where like the cities are depopulated and, um, Right. It's not the world where retirees are moving back into cities. Right. It's a world where the cities are, are not like that. And they're they're failing people. Right. The cities are failing people. They're not bringing they're not solving. They're not solving uh, the needs of the people. Um, and then, you know, separately from that, that there's these intractable problems that seem like there'll be no so there'll be no solution to them. Because we're like all too selfish. I don't know. Like, you know, and they're all kind of referenced very vaguely. Um, you like said maybe with the exception of the, the Dion Warwick cover, um, the gone too soon. Yeah. Um, um, that, well, right. It's not, I mean, it's not clear where the killer whale fits into, uh, right. It's not like, uh, you know, swim like. <laughs> a beautiful orca <laughs> jump over the jetty <laughs> we will f- free will <laughs> yeah. no it's not you know it's yeah well you know that's all is so emotive um will you be there is so emotive and so plaintive uh yeah so plaintive and he's just so he's he's so raw and sad and then to think it's about freeing a killer whale <laughs> Um, although, you know, honestly, made that movie, and I think about that movie is very ahead of its time, right? I <laughs> just in terms of its environmental consciousness or the way it anticipated blackfish later in the Yeah, uh... I think that, yeah, anticipating blackfish, the environmental consciousness. Yeah, it's the movie is very, very woke before its time. Um, no, but I think, I think that's right. Yeah, I, I, I think it's all kind of vague. Right. Yeah. There's no specific, you know, there aren't these like specific songs laying out sort of specific concerns and specific problems. They're all like there. It's it's always there's so many problems. This is a kind of general schema of like the problems. These are the kinds of people who are affected, generally speaking, by these types of problems. Um, it's very meta. It's very it's I guess it's a very kind of meta, um, super like overarching systemic look at um and I think the like kind of social justice issues and not the, you know, and not sort of like a very specific personal point of view kind of story from his perspective, <laughs> um, you know, but, but, you know, in kind of taking on those meta narratives, I think there is something that feels personal about, you know, particularly if he talks about like racism and, you know, it, he, you know, you feel it in his voice. Like he, he is, conveying like you know these are these are the feelings this is his perspective these are like it's personal yeah 
is very personal and the pain is personal, even though it's like not necessarily told in his, from his point of view. Yeah. That, that is an interesting, that is an interesting thing because the personal pain is very specific because it's sort of embodied, right? It's instantiated. It, it has like a, a specific place and a, you know, a kind of a specific experience that, that goes along with it. And the, um, the, uh, uh, and and yet the complaints, like the the perceived wrongs, you know, are are on kind of a global scale or on the scale of like sociological wrongs or sort of environmental wrongs or, um, you know, a kind of generalized man's inhumanity to man. We talked a little bit about it with Nevermind, and I think I think that like Nevermind is an album that actually bears discussing alongside this uh, on on last week's. Uh, podcast with with Nevermind, we talked a little bit about the idea of these 1991 albums um, all presenting sort of a theory of what's wrong with the world, right? Uh, the Kurt Cobain theory is that, like, I suppose that, like, I'm intrinsically bad and that's what's wrong with the world, Right. And mm-hmm. the, uh, the, right. The, um, uh, the Pearl Jam theory is that like society is bad and especially my dad. Right. <laughs> is, you know, is bad and that and that's what's wrong with the world. And you can sort of do a typology, right? Like with like uh maybe not like uh you know, I don't know. Um like uh uh with with Guns N' Roses with Use Your Illusion, it's kind of like this album isn't long enough and that's what's wrong with the world. But <laughs> but uh yeah, there are not enough songs where I can swim with dolphins. I know. Yeah, not enough dolphins. You know, I, there's another like marine mammals. Another like uh, another point of of comparison between the, the 1991 albums, which are all concerned with aquatic uh, preservation and you know, <laughs> pinniped and uh, and you know porpoises and and orcas and and st- crustacean. Oh no. Uh, not crustaceans that's uh like crabs and stuff what's the word i'm thinking of i can't think of it um you know and here like what exactly what the exactly what the social criticism uh is 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 um is sort of interesting to me and 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 then like the other thing that that makes this one different is the sort of is the the video aspect right because like this was when you know um uh, the, right in the ascendancy of of MTV and in from a certain point of view peak music video right where you know we've had the videos for smells like teen spirit for pearl jams jeremy um and and like music video premieres were a huge deal like i remember watching on primetime television uh watching in living color which actually is an interesting thing because it sort of it uh it uh also kind of gets at the the character of the time right like and and they would premiere on fox right after the credits of in living color they would premiere these videos and i remember watching the video of remember the time uh which had you know incredible special effects um sort of uh i think like precursor to t2 uh morphing 
special effects uh, where, you know, Michael Jackson disappeared and reappeared as like a mysterious sorcerer who came to Pharaoh Eddie Murphy's uh, Egyptian Court of Wonders and uh, and stole the heart of of his his consort you know, there that, that, uh, like I remember watching these and these were huge, huge media events. And, and then this, uh, I remember the, the, uh, rendition of heal the world that michael jackson did at the at the super bowl uh in his super bowl halftime show where there was a you know giant inflatable globe that that uh sprang up on the 50 yard line surrounded by a chorus of all the all the children of the world so like there's a sense in which that uh that this is um this is music for spectacle. You know, this is sort of music as, as a sort of element in spectacle or as an element in like a Wagnerian, you know, mishmash of different art forms, a kind of operatic, a kind of, a kind of opera or king of popera, if you will, (laughs) that like, uh, that, uh, you know, that, that the music is, is just one element, but there's an element that's sort of like image and there's an element that's dance and there's an element that's narrative and there's an element that is like live spectacle, um, you know, and his tour, his tour was huge. Uh, his tour was huge after this. So that like it, there is this sort of, uh, maybe not a, a Guns N' Roses level of, of, um, maybe not a Guns N' Roses level of self-centeredness or of like, you know, of like huge ego though. This is, I mean, this is Michael Jackson who I think like stopped an oncoming tank in one of his live shows. Uh, if, if memory serves correctly. Um, but like that, that there is this like superstardom aspect to this and like, he's sort of the biggest thing in the universe and like whatever he does is gonna, is gonna blow up, is gonna blow up huge. And so like this, this, this statement is very important on those grounds as well, you know? Yeah, no, I, I mean, I think it's interesting talking about like the spectacle nature of these songs, because I think, you know, you kind of hinted at this. I feel like a big part of the same sense of like, you know, the, the expression of pers- of his perspective and in the feeling that these songs are personal, I think is also expressed through the, the dancing and choreography that accompanies these, vi- you know, when, when there is a video, I think there's, you know, there's a lot, particularly I think you mentioned the the end of black or white, right? And it's this long, the long choreographed number, um, you know, where he's smashing stuff in the, in the cityscape. You know, I, I, I think it's like very important to kind of think about, you know, how I, I feel how like the, the dancing and his dancing in particular is just kind of another facet of the overall, uh, you know, expressiveness, right, and, and like a part of the, the 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 kind of package of the song and the music as well. And I think you're, I I I definitely kind of ground that in the in the spectacle, you know, in the in the idea that these are kind of presentations that are larger than just the song and the track. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, yeah, it's so like. It, it's so interesting. Like one aspect of it is his dancing. Right. And he's like in the videos at this time, he was so lithe. He was so skinny and almost kind of feminine in, you know, in terms of the, his like slender, uh, the his sort of slender figure right and like the graceful the kind of graceful figure that he cut in in um 
uh, in the video for Jam or or in the closet where he's wearing that tight T-shirt and 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 pants kind of thing. And like there, there's you know there's there's this like counterpoise of of power and fragility uh, or you know which you can think of as like a counterpoise of strength and vulnerability. It's very different from the like the Michael Jackson wearing the like quasi military jackets that were part of his live show a lot with like the the uh, epaulets or or whatever like a lot of that sort of like big 1980s big shoulder iconography that uh that uh that was definitely also a uh a part of his thing like when i look at this uh when i look at these videos there's something I don't know. There's, as I say, there's something that almost great, uh, graceful, something graceful that would uh, life that would almost be gendered feminine to me. You know, if, if I had to like pick, um, that, that makes it really, I don't know, that makes it really super, super interesting compared with like, uh, you know, teaching, um, who is it that appears in the video for jams and Michael Jordan that, that he's teaching to in silhouette that he's teaching to, to dance, um, or, uh, you know, uh, or like, or even like in a history of like, of, uh, men like singer, singer, dancers, like entertainers going back to like tap dancers, uh, Gene Kelly, James Brown, right. Where there was this sense of muscularity and this sense of kind of, um, this sense of sort of solidness. And I guess there is a kind of weird, uh, there is a kind of weird gender presentation, um, with Michael Jackson. And, and I could be, I mean, I don't know, Rich, do you think I'm making too much of it or do you think it like it obtains here? No, no, I, I think that's, I mean, I, I certainly, I don't think it's like a a big stretch to, to kind of view his like, uh, definitely his like gender performance is being kind of like, I don't know, at least like, uh, you know, certainly like in a, in a fluid place, right. Yeah. Uh, in a very fluid place. And, 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 you know, like, I, you know, I agree kind of, kind of like, yeah, just in this like fluid, uh, this fluid space between, um, I don't know, between feminine and masculine and kind of like the way, you know, in, in the way he moves in the presentation. Um, and I, there's, I mean, there's also like, like he was, you know, there was a discourse around Michael Jackson's uh, racial presentation as well. And like, I sort of, my instinct is to tread carefully around that topic because God knows the world doesn't need me to police uh, anybody's like racial presentation, but, but like it was an issue and it was something that, that the world was, it was a discourse that the world was definitely, you know, definitely engaged in and thinking of him as kind of a boundary crossing artist or as a, as an artist who was kind of um, working with kind of alternative presentations of identity, alternative kinds of identity performance, uh, makes that broken window, right. Uh, at, uh, sort of contextualizes that broken window at the beginning in the album. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I, I think, yeah, I do think that the kind of the, you know, I guess like whatever kind of, whatever kind of cosmetically he might've done, like, I think it made it kind of made people uncomfortable, you know, (laughs) but it just, it made people very uncomfortable. And, um, and I, you know, I agree. I mean, he is kind of like, you know, I think kind of in, in the lyrics here and in kind of elsewhere, like he, he very much 
kind of wants to say like, that's my business and, you know, my, how I present myself and what I do. And, you know, my, my presentation is mine and it's all, you know, and, and please, why you want to trip on me? (laughs) 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 Right. (laughs) That whole song's about not tripping on him. Yeah. Because Uh, there's so many problems. Yeah. Well, right. Exactly. Like quit, quit, like policing the, uh, quit policing the identities of people. Right. And and this is actually, I mean, this is actually interesting in light of, of gone too soon. Uh, you know, which, which, um, he dedicated, uh, to the teenager, Ryan White, who, uh, had HIV AIDS and was expelled for school from school. Uh, though the song had, had preexisted, had preexisted that like that, like quit policing these identity, these kind of individual identity issues. I mean, it's, you know, I don't know. It's interesting. I, I read a, uh, a, article in some some you know lamestream liberal media outlet uh that i would read you know uh being a latte swilling volvo driving coast dwelling uh commie commie, i don't drive a volvo um and or drink lattes hashtag low carb but the uh the um the uh the interesting the interesting uh the uh, part of this article was about the sort of accusations of racism in the current presidential election and how they've been how racism has been redefined away from a problem a systemic problem that needs to be solved at the level of society to a sort of individual problem an individual moral failing or a kind of stain on on the soul depending on how protestant you are with your like predestination right like whether it's just a mark that you have on your soul or whether it's like a bad thing that you do. And this development sort of gives aid and comfort to racism generally uh, because um, it it makes it almost impossible to prove because you sort of can't see inside another person's soul and you can't really, you know, because who are you to sort of judge another individual's morality? It really moves the goalposts and it focuses attention away from solving concrete social problems and more into a discourse of he said, she said, or, or, you know, uh, unwarranted kind of uh, uh, unwarranted kind of policing of people's, you know, moral, uh, uh, moral, moral fiber. And Michael Jackson might be saying to us, well, yeah, quit, quit focusing on, on all these identity categories and, and focus instead on, on healing the world at some kind of larger systemic level. Um, right. Yeah, no, I, I think that's right. I think he he's he's kind of looking at the larger systemic level. But it's interesting because I, I feel like he actually kind of – it's kind of this like unified theory, Michael Jackson's unified theory of social problems, which is I think it's like every individual – this is my this is my proposal of what the unified theory of social problems is under, under Michael Jackson's uh, – you know, under these songs. Um, you know, every individual is like in, in pain. Right. Every individual is like in pain and through that pain, uh, that pain manifests itself in being cruel to people um, in like these, you know, and, and they're cruel to people in ways that like add up to become systemic problems. So there's this like there's like these specific systemic ways that people are cruel to one another. And I think part of healing the world is like seeing each other's pain and and recognizing it and like being generous of spirit uh, to 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 reduce that pain and, and to to kind of find a you know find like compassion 
and empathy and love. So I, I feel it's like it's like this unified theory of yes, these problems are large and systemic, but they all also center around like a a lack of compassion and a lack of empathy at like an individual to individual level. Yeah, um, the pain. Yeah, it's it's interesting. The pain. Uh, the pain cuts two ways then it's both a, like a basis for empathy and it's all, but it's also like the root cause of a lot of the, a root cause of a lot of the, the social problems themselves. And, and, um, and, and it's like the denial of the pain, right? Like that, that causes the social problems, the, the, like the refusal, the kind of the refusal to kind of cop to your own, your own humanity and your own experience of, uh, your own experience of pain and your own kind of communicate, your own kind of like participation in a community of, of, of humans of all, you know, shapes, sizes, colors, backgrounds, uh, identities, gender presentation etc right yeah no no exactly because I, you know when you look at i don't i never like read the lyrics as being like subscribing to you know i don't know like the sense of that there's these like kind of unconscious biases that people have that like we've you know or or that um or even things like like there is no like nudging in this world right there's no kind of like behavioral economics like nudging people it's like people are racist because there's like something kind of dark inside them but you know it's it's through like the healing power of like compassion and understanding that we could like get over racism rather than like people might be like racist because you know without meaning to be and without being bad people necessarily so I, i do think it sort of subscribes to um, in some ways, it does subscribe to this like ind- individual actor idea, but you know, I, I feel it's like the you know the the the, pro- the solution is to sort of collectively uh, band together and be compassionate. I feel like the only person who has the ability to kind of take on this like collective action problem is Michael Jackson himself. Like he's like the only person in the in this world who has like the political capital to like teach Michael Jordan how to dance and, you know, get like other, you know, get Eddie Murphy to be a pharaoh. Right. Like he's the one who's going to band together this like collective of people who are all going to like be empathetic and understanding, you know, yeah. and, and, and spread across the world in this empathetic and understanding way. So so quick before we jump into this uh, uh, to the thing, this is sort of a whimsical idea. But I I am convinced that like uh, they got the CD and they just started jamming jamming songs onto it right like like the the CD format uh, became prominent and then artists and producers said well we have to fill up like all 75 of these minutes that we can put on a compact disc as opposed to the you know 40 and change um, that would fit on two sides of a vinyl LP and that that like uh, that we don't really need it it leads to this this sort of bloat this uh, this album bloat uh, that we definitely felt in Use Your Illusion One and Two and that I definitely feel here so so if you, so here's my whimsical question and I'll answer first if you need if you want a second to think about it or to kind of formulate your strategy um, what uh, what like five or six songs would you kill on this record to make the perfect like 44 minute LP, you know? 
Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think I know I have, I have mine and I think yours and mine are going to be different. So I think, so this is, it's going to be interesting. Okay. Give me yours. <laughs> mine, I, think they, I think they will be different. <laughs> I want to kill, uh, why you want to trip on me. She drives me wild. Remember the time, which I know is going to be controversial. Uh, and, and keep, um, keep the, the next couple, uh, uh, kill. Will you be there and gone too soon? And I think that brings it down to, uh, I think that brings it down to about 45, uh, 45 minutes. Um, if I had to lose another one, no, like, will you be there is almost eight minutes long on the record. That's, that just gives plenty of gives plenty of time. Um, oh, yeah. I, and, and I have, a, I have a reason. I mean, I have a reason for those. Um, I have a reason for those, but, but, uh, what are yours? What are you, what are you going to kill? I, you know, so I really want to keep like most of the Teddy Riley jams. Um, so I really think the first five songs jam, why you want to trip on me in the closet. She drives me wild. And remember the time they stay. Um, you know, I think I think black or white, while kind of different, is I think still still kind of like can fit. So I'm gonna I'm gonna leave black black or white there. Uh huh. Um. With and who is it? Yeah. And then I'm gonna end on Will You Be There? Oh, you're oh that that's gonna be the closer. That's gonna be the closer. Let's just let it be the closer. It's a long, epic, sad song. It's it's very moving. Let's just let it. That's I, the November. Will you be there? Is the November rain rain of, of yeah. this? Yeah, of my version of dangerous. <laughs> that's. I mean, so that's that's interesting. And so you would lose. Okay, so here's. I mean, I I sort of value the. I like the. I like the Teddy Riley song, but I like it best when it's paired with. Um, a po- like a popier song structure. I like it better when it kind of shades into the the easy listening territory of Mariah Carey, right? Because those, I, I you know, I don't know. Like, uh, I feel like the the real dance jams, like why why you want to trip on me or she drives me she drives me wild, where it's just this groove that kind of goes and goes and goes for a lot of the song. Um, that not a ton happens in them. Like the groove is established and it's prolonged. And so it's about, that's, that's more about what you're doing, you know, to the groove, right? Like whether you're dancing or whatever, whatever you're doing while this album is on, uh, like the, um, it's, it's about sort of prolonging a moment. It's not necessarily about, uh, things happening and like, uh, like in give in to me with the guitars with, you know, slash there, like there's this, like, there's this sense of incident, like that, that stuff, stuff changes and stuff happens. And there's like a progression. It sort of moves through time. Right. And that, that is, uh, that, that is something that's sort of attractive to me in, in pop music that like, there is a, not just a prolonging, of a moment, but there is a sort of rising action, uh, you know, increasing ten- tension and release that is that is satisfying in almost a narrative, uh, a narrative kind of way. And so, like the the that sort of sonically narrative aspect is the is the is the one I value. But it sounds like you like the sort of jammy the the dance music, and they are great beats. Like no no argument there, right? Oh, yeah. No, I really do. I actually I think that's what's interesting about them is they're kind of these long. Um, yeah, I think jammy is a way to put it. It's almost like 
it almost is like trap music to me, right? It, it sounds, it's like the kind of like, like kind of uh, continuous, repetitive, like, you know, groove and like the kind of repetitive song structure, but it's definitely this like head nodding experience. Um, and, you know, I think for like narrative art, you can get that in something like in the closet, right? Which sure. has the back and forth female, male vocals. There's a lot of like different parts. The song has a bunch of little parts. Um, it's kind of not a little bit of an unusual song structure. Yeah. Um, yeah. And there's a lot of tension built, um, both in like the, the highs and lows and like the whispering and, and the, and the kind of more like loud belting out of the, the song. A lot of like contrast and tension narratively is created in that song, and you still get a groovy, groovy beat. <laughs> I, I, I like. I actually. Yeah, I, and that I, that I, one I makes it onto my, my album <laughs> for sure. Uh, yeah, for sure. I totally agree, and that one that one makes it on on my album. And like, honestly, I like the hook in uh, in Why You Want to Trip on Me. I mean, I think that's a that's a really good. Uh, it's a really good song. Uh, it's a really good song as well. I guess it's just sort of I, I prioritize the 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 shorter ones. But yeah, so uh, uh, you know, I I got the sense that like you might you might be a little more into the the top half of the album, and I might be a little more into the bottom half of it. And that is uh, that's sort of an interesting thing because it says something about my lack of taste in and uh, <laughs> you know mu- in music, which I'm I'm happy to I'm I'm very happy to own. I just, you know, it's funny that you psych give in to me because I just, I actually just feel like when Slash comes on into that song, it's just like, oh God, (laughs) it feels so, I don't know. I, even though we had already been primed for it with black or white, right. That we're going to hear like kind of rock music and there's going to be, there's going to be like this kind of musical variety and, and that texture, um, it just, I don't know. It, it feels like kind of, it, it is just like very like by that point, maybe it's just by that point in the album, like you're so tired already, right? Like you've listened to all these great songs and it's starting to kind of like the album is losing its load and, and you're just like, oh, and now Slash has come out. <laughs> Slash has come out to, to like monopolize our ears. Some yeah. Hey, see, I feel like if you were, if you hadn't been fatigued by those long jams, you know, you'd, you'd be, you'd be more primed for, for Slash and be like, yes. Yeah, Slash, you know, and put the devil horns up in the, uh, put the devil horns up in the air. Um, all the, all, yeah, all that like constant grooving just, just wore me out. It's like an endurance running. Yeah, it's, well, that is, it definitely is like, and, and it's almost like some of the, you know, it, they definitely have that. Uh, well, black or white anyway, it has that like swung beat, that like six, 16th note triplet kind of feel. That that characterizes, I guess, the the rhythmic the the rhythmic grooves of a lot of the the new jack swing stuff. Um, but like, there's acoustic guitar, there's electric guitar. Like the hook is electric guitar. The ba ba da ba 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 da ba ba da ba da ba 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 da ba ba. But there's also like there's just strummy acoustic guitar, like like hacky sack, you know, poetry cir- circle style acoustic guitar uh, mm-hmm. in a couple moments of that. Um, 
and and things like that and it's it's almost like one fusion too many right <laughs> because like you know there's the there's the sort of beats and they're actually like guest verses uh on some of these songs so there's there's like a, a hip hop element um there's uh like an R&B uh from R&B there's like the compound meter the like the 128 feel and the uh um you know, that like triplet, that triplet swing feel as well as some of the, like the, uh, harmonic elements and, and, uh, the source of some of the samples or the character, you know, character of some of the samples. And then if you put on like, if you put like rock and roll guitar on top of that, it's like, you've tried to put, I don't know. It's like you've, you've, you've tried to put sweet tarts on your banana split, right? Like it just doesn't, uh, those are two great desserts, but they don't belong together. (laughs) (laughs) But but maybe it's because they just don't understand each other. (laughs) (laughs) They don't understand each other. Uh, no, yeah, I, no, I agree. This is like, I, I kind of enjoy the, um, the variety and the experiments in kind of like in, in the musical texture, but it just, it is like too much, um, and too long, um, and too all, you know, it starts feeling like you said, like the, the, there was an album, um, there was like an aesthetic and then I don't know, he did a bunch of singles. Right. And, and those got plate like tacked on at the end. Yeah. Um, and then it, it starts really feeling very odds and ends, you know, here are the rarities rather than like a, a kind of cohesive sound for the entire album. Um, Just looking at, at Wikipedia, the, the, um, I guess the stretch of the album that I'm talking about is, was produced and some of it written by a guy named Bill Bottrell. Um, you know, that, that, uh, I guess he was the sort of influence doing the, the sort of the layering of texture on texture that we're talking about. And, uh, and Teddy Riley, uh, more prominent on the first, the first half of the album. Though dangerous, ironically, a, uh, not ironically, unexpectedly perhaps, a, uh, a collaboration between Jackson, Bill Bottrell, and, and Teddy Riley. Like all, all of them, uh, you know, uh, producing, um, producing together. We probably should, should hop in. I feel like listening to this episode, Ryan will get mad at us if we don't, uh, if we don't hop in and talk about some of the specific songs and, and, huh? and some of the lyrics though. I mean, we could not just to spite him, but keep it in the closet. <laughs> There's something about these lyrics. Make me want to analyze them. No, yeah, I mean, I definitely, I mean, I feel like lyrically, you know, a lot of kind of what I've been talking about is there, right? Like the kind of vagueness in the, um, the vagueness in the description of social problems, um, which I, I just I find it interesting, uh, just because it's so, to me, it's so different from like, I think from other kinds of, I think when people engage with kind of social problems, there's a lot of times where there's like a specificity and very, particular point of view right um you know but like you know it like i'm looking at jam right now for example right which starts with the as you mentioned the the breaking of glass right it's the i think it really is like the the kind of the layout of the of the thesis for the unified the the unified theory of social problems um 
you know, what are the, like, the th- you know, it's nation to nation, all the world must come together, face the problems that we see then, maybe somehow we can work it out. And then I asked my neighbor for a favor, she said later, what has come of all the people? Have we lost love of what it's about? Right. I mean, even just in like the, I asked my neighbor for a favor. She said later, right. It's just like, it's like social problems are the result of these kinds of tiny little cruelties, right? Sure. Not opening the door, not holding the elevator open, not helping an old lady cross the street. Right. We're like, we're too, we're all too self-involved. Um, right. And, and we're all, we're, we're not, we're not reaching out and, and trying to be compassionate. Yeah, it's that that's I think that's right. But it's also like this is kind of weak sauce a little bit like the neighbor didn't say no. She said later. (laughs) It's like, dude, I'm sorry I can't open the door for you. I got my hands full with a bunch of groceries right now. Can you wait a second? And no, I need sugar now. (laughs) This cake is this cake. can't wait. Um, this cake can't wait no it's true you're right she did say no she said later <laughs> and you're right i think it is like probably a little like uh a little damning of the neighbor yeah um yeah yeah maybe un- unwarranted in the, in the second verse of this though the idea that like um i'm conditioned by the system don't you preach to me don't scream and shout uh, I just want you to recognize me in the temple. You can't hurt me. I found peace within myself. Go with it. Uh, go with it. Like there's a sort of, there's a sort of structural theory. There's a sort of theory of the intersection between structure and agency here, right? Like you get, you get conditioned that we're all sort of conditioned by the system, that we have this experience of sort of social roles or of morality, like preach to me or the list of, uh, the list of religions, um, God, Buddha, uh, the Talmud, Judaism, Confucius or Confucians. <laughs> I, I was primed and I, I misread, uh, I was primed to think of, uh, moral systems and I reread, I misread Confucians as Confucius, uh, but that he confusions contradict the self. Do we know right from wrong? There's a sense in which, like the operation of so, uh, the operation of kind of social pressure on you deforms your intrinsic sense of uh, of right and wrong, of identity, and things uh, you know, and things that are more sort of natural to your to your I- identity. But uh, My- Michael Jackson has found peace w- peace within himself, right? Right. No, and I think. Um... I think that's right. He's, you know, he's, he, he has found that peace. he's kind of like sass, you know, he, I mean, I think he also like has a lot of pain, but he, he has, he's kind of also, you know, comfortable with, you know, being who he is and, and, and moving forward. He's ready to embrace that. He's ready to be the empathetic change agent that he wants to be, um, which I think is sort of like the, you know, kind of the, the creed, like the 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 theme of all this as well yeah you know? so the, like i'm ready to be that empathetic change agent we need you know here i am i'm ready to heal the world well let's go to i mean let's go to heal the world because like heal the world will you be there uh potentially keep the faith or like the social or like the social problems um social problems here and the the you know the child the child's voice that that begins 
uh, begins this. We, you know, we have to make the world a better place for our children and our children's children so that they know it's a better world for them and think if they can make the world a better, a better place. So like there's a two, there's two separate rationales for healing the world, right? One, one is that the children have to live in it. And the other is that it sets an example, right? Like it's, it's good to heal the world so that the children know that they can also continue, uh, continue to heal, um, continue to heal the world. Yeah, no, I, I, I think, you know, I, I think that's right. And I, you know, I think the, this idea again, that like, you know, the social problems are solved through like kind of individual acts of compassion. Um, you know, I think they taught like in heal the world, there's make a little space, make a better place, Right. I think that's a very individual, right? It's very pointed at the individual to make a little, you know, space inside them to make, to do some sort of small act of charity, right? Or like generosity. And that, that will, well, will collectively get us somewhere, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, in, in, in the chorus, I mean, I don't know. It's hard. It's I'm, like I'm looking at these lyrics and I'm kind of drawing a blank a little bit. Like it's it, they are great platitudes. Right. <laughs> but it's hard. It's hard to like to formulate a coherent social program, you know. Uh... No, I think that's a you know, I mean, that's I think that's like a great like um, I think it's like a great counterpoint to like maybe some of the failings of the unified theory of social problems as posited by Michael Jackson. Right. It's that. Um, I think it's like the world he kind of ha- like po- like the wor- the world in which he sees and where it's like all these like little acts of generosity and kindness are going to cumulatively solve a problem. Um, I mean, I guess you know, I I think for some prop some kinds of problems, I think can be solved that way, but not every kind of problem. Right. Um, there are some problems that are not going to be solved that way. Or, or they may, you know, they'll make a positive impact, but they're not going to get it like the, uh, you know, other systemic causes that keep reproducing the problem. Sure. Yeah. I mean, and there's also, there's also like, if um, there's a place in your heart and I know that it is love and this place could, uh, could be much brighter than tomorrow. Um, I guess that means the actual tomorrow. The actual tomorrow is shitty, right? But uh, this this hypothetical place could be better than the actual tomorrow. The sort of uh, the the natural evolution of our social problems. If you really try, you'll find that there's no need to cry in this place. You will feel there's no hurt or sorrow. It's almost like the Gene Roddenberry Star Trek. Uh, you know, uh, theory of the, of like, there is a kind of an evolved state of humanity that doesn't, that doesn't, um, where we don't have to feel bad about stuff, right? Like mm-hmm. there's an evolved state of humanity where we don't have to like, uh, suffer anymore. And, and never mind that like, you know, I don't know the, the death of your friends or, or parent, beloved grandparents or dog or whatever, like this, these things will make you suffer. Like unhappy, unhappiness and love will make you right. will make you suffer that there, there are these, not only are there structural, there are structural causes and some of them are kind of intractable, you know? Right. No, you know, it's so interesting. You, you like mentioned that, um, the kind of higher evolution, cause it, it really reminds me of actually like when I was a child and when I was listening to this album, you know, I think there, there used to be 
you know, and, and I guess this is something I'd like to think about or look into more, but I just remember there being a, like a much more larger emphasis on world peace as like a goal, right? That world peace is this goal that we should aim for. Um, you know, I think it was always like portrayed when it was like visually portrayed, kind of almost like the heal the world, you know, portrayal of humanity, right? Like a bunch of children, of all races and ethnicities, like kind of holding hands across the globe um, or, or just people, just people being very like friendly and getting along. Um, and it's just interesting because it is like you kind of thinking about it and like you mentioning this kind of idea of the, the, the aspirational, like evolved human being where, where we're not suffering. It does feel like that must, that was like this idea that was kind of prevalent in the, the idealization of world peace as a goal. Like, I don't really hear anyone talk about world peace anymore, right? <laughs> like, do you, do you ever, right? No, I, you're no not at all. Talks, I never hear anyone talk about like, I want world peace because no one thinks that's a thing that is like, <laughs> like a, a, a goal or possible. And it's not, you know, I don't think we're looking to be sort of like beyond. I don't think it's like we, I don't know. People are not looking to necessarily be beyond, uh, you know, suffering. Yeah. It's sort of uh, like the, it's the neoconservative end of history. It's a, you know, what, what we're offering is a critique of the neoconservative end of history where like, you know, in, uh, in 1999 or 2000, right. It was supposed to be that like economic development and globalization had gotten us to a point where there was this, uh, there was this stasis right like that you know forces were opposed by forces and like we were all we were all going to get into this like uh in into this into this stasis into this kind of detente this worldwide detente and uh, it was the end of history right and there would be no more uh wars on a global scale there would be no more um you know, social problems like that. And, uh, and, <laughs> and then it all got blown to shit. And, and the whole, you know, the, this is sort of, this partakes in that logic, uh, a little bit because there's a theory. I mean, there's a theory of like just general amiability, but not a theory of conflict resolution, right? Like, right. Not a, not a, not a theory of how you turn like adversarial situations into, uh, into amiability. So there's definitely a vision and it's very wishful, but it's not, uh, it, it like, uh, like it sort of falls short of a coherent, um, coherent social program. It might be, uh, it might be good, uh, before we wrap to talk about the, uh, to talk about some of the, uh, the romantic songs, the love songs mm, in the, yes. because this is the other thread that runs through this album. Um, uh, alongside the social problems thread. And maybe, maybe we'll find that they're, that they're, uh, uh, that they're related to you. So, um, Apparently, there's one thing in life I must understand. Uh, it's the truth of lust, woman to man. Uh, open the door, uh, and you will see there are no secrets. Make your move. Set me free. Uh, so, so I, I have a, I have thoughts about this. But do, does this song? Do you have an opinion of this song? Uh, in the closet. Yeah. I do. I have mixed feelings about this song. Good, I, me too. Okay, I I absolutely love it, but I mean, the elephant in the room is you know is it, given kind of all the, um, 
you know, kind of like the, re- you know, the reputation of like his inappropriate relationships, you know, like possibly, you know, and sexual relationships with children that I, I can't help but like read the song in that <laughs> with that in mind. Yeah. I mean, right. Exactly. The, the idea that like, this is, you know, this is very hush hush. This is our, our little secret. Like once that, you know, uh, uh, serial child sex abuser is, uh, like once that story is in there, it's hard not to, not to read it in there. But I, you know, I sort of try to, and try to sort of bracket it. Um, I mean, this is, I think the first allegations and, and it's not like we've talked about Michael Jackson before. It's some, it's something that's sort of difficult to, it's something that's sort of difficult to square with, how much you like the music, you know, and I, and I don't think we're going to resolve that tension here I, with how much one likes the music, how much I, not you in particular, the listener or you, Rachel, uh, or you, me, like uh, the one, all of us, you know, have to like these songs they are undeniable. And, uh, and he's a great performer. And yet there's this thing. It's hard to, I mean, it's hard to square and it's hard to know how guilty to feel about the, the sort of the pleasure that you take in listening to the music, uh, given this, given this thing. Um, I mean, but, the I other, mean, yeah, yeah, but like you know, kind of, I, I, I'm willing to, I, I agree, and I, I'm willing to put it aside though, and and read it as kind of a um, age appropriate, right? It's an age appropriate song, right? Yeah. It's an age appropriate like um, um, song, I, you know. It's still. That there's, well, that there's, I I mean, to me, it's a theory of relations between the sexes, right? Mm -hmm. And, and so my, my, my particular construction on it is that it's, it, it appears to be progressive, but is actually not right. Because Mm -hmm. the idea, the idea of like the truth of lust woman to man, the idea that sort of women, you know, women have a sex drive that's not tied to or determined by men, uh, that like, you know, that they have agency and they have desire and they have kind of their own experience that can be brought to the fore in, uh, in a song like this uh, seems progressive. But then the, the second half of that verse is so open the door and you will see there are no secrets make your move set me free it's still sort of subservient to like to the the male partner like creating a space for it like opening the door and allowing the uh allowing the expression um yeah no and it's secret right i mean i think it's a secret and i think once anything is a secret it's i think there's like um Sort of a power imbalance. There's a power imbalance. Yes. Secrets create power imbalances. Um, secrets are the province of power imbalances, and they also in and themselves kind of create power imbalances. So that, you know, the fact that she feels like the, the woman's voice feels like there's something that needs to be hidden about her desire and then Michael kind of corroborates that with saying, well, we're going to vow to keep it in the closet. Um yeah, I, I think it's kind of that part is a little, you know, is not, I guess, is um, is not like the kind of most like progressive thinking about, you know, about like, yes, like having like open being open sexually. Um, but, you know, it, you know, I think aside from that, it you know, as like a song, it's it's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> as a song, it's the best. Yeah. It's, and, and super catchy hook. Right. In something about something about you, baby, that makes me want to give it to you. Uh, the way the way he um, the way he sings it. Uh, 
So, so I guess maybe skipping a little bit, skipping a little bit ahead to, um, uh, skipping a little bit ahead to kind of, uh, to bring us to a close here. Uh, t- let's talk about dangerous for, yeah. for a minute because the, the, um, the, uh, well, a uh, spoiler alert, it's the girl who's dangerous. It's not, it's not Michael Jackson and her, her danger is one of the, uh, is one of the most attractive things about her. Um, how do you feel about this dangerous woman? Um, I guess it's interesting is it's like, why is she dangerous? Yeah, it's uh, I, I mean, let's uh, let's delve in and find a uh, right. let's delve in and find. I mean, um, I, I suppose it was the way that she came into the place because he knew right then and there there was something different about this girl. The way she moved her hair, her face, her lines, divinity in motion as she stalked the room. So the word stalked comparing her to uh, to a predator. Uh, I could feel the aura of her presence, every head turned, feeling passion and lust. The girl was persuasive. The girl I could not trust. The girl was bad. Uh, the girl was dangerous. Right. And that like, so what, um, so what makes her dangerous? Right. Like, I think it's that she, she arouses passion and lust in the male spectators, uh, through the aura of her presence. Um, and yet she stalked the room. She sort of maintains the role of predator, uh, uh, predator herself, right? Right. It's like she is, um, she is comfortable, right? She is, she is assertive. She is, uh, she, she is, uh, owning, owning her thing. Uh, yeah. And it says right. like she came into the place. So she's not saying open the door, make your move, set me free. Right. Right. Exactly. Right. She, she came in, she has agency, she is aware of the male attention and is 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 good with it. Um, she's comfortable with it. Um, yeah. Uh, la- later on in the in the second verse, though, when when he talks about the uh, the sort of the experience of 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 being with this woman, right? He says she came at me in sections, and this is a nor. I mean, this is a sort of misogynistic trope. I think of like of objectification, where it's. Uh, where where it, where the kind of the woman is divided into parts right is not kind of an integrated being or agent is is like a, a set of uh, a set of attributes so like the eyes of desire uh web of sin you know a touch a kiss a whisper of uh, a whisper of love these these are sort of discrete they're sort of discrete experiences and not a like continue um they're not, not a continuous uh, experience of uh, of a whole person, right? Yeah, no, I, I I think that I think that's an excellent point you make that it she is kind of broken up into these discrete. Yeah, there is no. I mean, we th- from the moment she walked into the door and the way she was described, we knew that this wasn't a fully integrated human being <laughs> right? uh, and she would be yeah, treated she, as one. Yeah. That she was a few years of psychoanalysis short of individuation, right? Like, yeah. Uh, well, there's like in, in this, in this world, there's like no interiority, right? She's like, she's just like a floating set of lips that fucked him up and then left, <laughs> <laughs> which I guess, 
eyes. If you're like, if, yeah. I guess if you're dating a floating set of lips, that would fuck you up. It's like, oh my God, <laughs> I had a relationship with a set of lips. <laughs> it was like a horror movie. They just floated down the hallway. <laughs> Who is like the baby in a racer head, <laughs> but sexy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I think we probably should leave it there. Rachel, thank you very much for being, uh, uh, for being my companion into the world of, of dangerous. Oh, thank you for having me. It was, so. I was very, very nice. And, uh, if Ryan asks what you were doing for now, let's make a vow to keep it in the closet. <laughs> um, uh, if you want more uh, discussion of dangerous, the best place to go is the comments for the show notes on this episode. You can also find us on Twitter at TFT podcast on Facebook at, uh, the theory for turntables page. We would appreciate it. If you followed us, uh, there, we are making our move, setting us free back into, uh, contemporary music for the next, uh, for the next episode. So watch those channels, Twitter and Facebook. We will put the assigned listening up. Uh, for the next episode shortly before it drops uh, and until then as we uh, as we move from the social criticism of of the miraculous uh, the the like the miraculous year of 1991 in music to uh, whatever miracles the fall of 2016 may hold for us make sure that you keep it real <laughs> <laughs>